Welcome to the MedSoup Podcast, where we talk about trending healthcare topics. I'm your host, Laura Schumacher. Let's dig in. Hi, I'm Amy Husinger, and I am a nurse practitioner at Carolina Specialty Care, and I work in interventional pain management and addiction. And I'm William Carlson. My middle name's Norm, which I go by. I work in pain management here at Carolina Specialty Care as well. And I also have recently started with the addiction program. So tell us a little bit about the addiction program, because I think that that's something that's kind of not very familiar in the in the public domain. What does that mean? Well, we have a lot of people in our community that are suffering from addiction to street drugs, as well as prescription pain medication that sometimes over time develops into an addiction. So instead of putting them on the streets and having them go back to using street drugs, we try to offer them a controlled environment to help them with their addiction. Yeah, what we do is is called medical assisted treatment. In other words, it's addiction treatment managed by healthcare providers for this controlled situation. So how do you control that? How is that defined? Well, when they start the program, they come in and they're seen weekly for four weeks. And then if their drug tests are all appropriate during those four weeks, they come back two weeks later. And if that drug test is appropriate, then they're able to come monthly. They also have to participate in monthly substance abuse counseling. It's really important in the beginning for them to come more frequently because we're trying to adjust the medicine accordingly. So we reduce cravings. We take care of the withdrawal that they're bound to have from stopping, hopefully stopping their Mm -hmm. opioids versus their street drugs. And the more that we see them at the first, we can regulate the proper dose of medicine so they have less side effects, less discomfort, and they feel like they're being successful and staying off of their opioid addiction. Yeah, and I would imagine they need to feel like they have a you know, a good program and support that both of you provide here so that they can stay consistent with their We do and we work with the counselors too to kind of touch base and get their feel on how the patient's doing and then we kinda relay what's going on on our end as well. Yeah. And I would imagine there are a lot of people out there suffering from this. There's a lot more than you would think. A lot of people, they won't talk about it. It's kind of like a taboo subject. If they're in church, they're not going to tell their people in church because they don't want to be judged. A lot of people won't talk about it with their families because they may have a family member that is very against that kind of thing. And patients have even expressed embarrassment at the pharmacy, embarrassed to pick up their medications because of the stigma around addiction. But. I mean, obviously, this is a no-judgment zone, and and I think probably in more recent times, people in the news have been talking about it a little bit more, so hopefully that's helping somewhat, but how do you help get that person who maybe needs help but is, you know, worried about asking for help? I mean, what, what steps do they take? I think for me is helping them identify if they're abusing opioids or if they've had a drug test that has heroin or cocaine. I think sometimes people try to downplay what's really going on. So kind of just opening their eyes to showing them, this is your drug test. This is not okay. You're overtaking your medicine and just kind of talking them through it and telling them that 
we can help you instead of just discharging them, which is not going to address the problem. So aside from street drugs, you run into the situation with a patient that maybe has had chronic pain and they're taking medications and then they take a little more, a little more. Talk a little bit about how that can sometimes lead someone down that road. We have a lot of patients like that. We have a lot of post-surgical patients that started on opioids out of necessity from the pain from a surgery. And if they have an addictive personality and, and start becoming more reliant and need more and more of this medicine, that, that can show up for us as we are managing their pain. We just have to be very wary of that point where is it because they're taking the medicine because they need it for pain or they need it for an addiction problem. And that's mm-hmm. a very fine line that we walk yeah, in this profession. Especially with chronic pain, over the years, people, especially from the way pain management was years ago, people tend to think that more is better. And having chronic pain is something not everyone can relate to. And as you know, if you're hurting very bad and you have the medicine there, some people just aren't able to control the amount that they're taking and they'll just start overtaking it because they're pain. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I think that it's impossible for anyone who hasn't experienced chronic pain to even understand what mentally that does mm-hmm. to you because it affects they have like a every very aspect. high, I would say, depression, high rate of depression and anxiety, mm-hmm. obviously, from dealing with this for some people 40, 40 plus years. Yeah. So the majority of the patients that you're seeing, are they ones that, that started with chronic pain or post-surgical pain, something like that? Or is it kind um, of a mix? I've had a lot of college kids, too, who go off to college and start experimenting into drugs, and that kind of escalates. I would say the majority is the long-term chronic pain people that have been on opioids for good reasons. It just has become out of control. Yeah. So how do you transition that patient? Let's just talk about a chronic pain patient right now. Transitioning them from overusing their opioids, but they're still going to have that pain condition or whatever. I mean, I know that here at Carolina Specialty Care, you offer interventional techniques Mm -hmm. as well. So Mm -hmm. you have more tools in the in the chest, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we have a, a whole interventional department that we can use, which helps keep down opioid use. When we're transitioning, we, we try to minimize the withdrawal symptoms because, uh, frankly, these people are afraid, They're afraid of, of withdrawing. What's gonna, They've yeah, had this before it. because overtaking their medicine, they run out. So they go through with oh. these withdrawal symptoms. So, so they're terrified. Of being with, of having withdrawal, so a lot of the medicines that we use minimize withdrawal systems, so we can transition them off the opioids onto one of our medicines that we use for these treatments. Will help with the withdrawal symptoms, help with the cravings, and as a nice side effect, helps with the pain. Okay. Yeah, there, a lot of the medication-assisted treatments are not prescribed for pain, but they do help off-label to help control some of their pain as well, oh. as lo- along with a lot of the other non-opioid treatments that we can offer them too. So there are some patients that could eventually completely come off of the opioid pain 
or the opioid medications for pain or? Oh, you mean the medication assisted mm-hmm. treatments? Like, yeah, it, it depends on their motivation. Their motivation. I've had people that have been treated for <laughs> a period of time and come off and do well. There's some people that are afraid and just want to stay on a maintenance dose because mm-hmm. they do not want to relapse. Yeah. And they're afraid of the pain coming back too, yes. I'm sure. So if someone has other addictive type characteristics, maybe they're alcoholic or or that's, you know, something that runs in their family, is that does that make them more prone to have issues with addictions like this? I mean, addiction does tend to run in the families. You'll see I have patients that all their sisters and brothers are alcoholics, so they don't drink because they're afraid mm. that it might trigger something. So yes, I do think that is true. Yeah. And also, with opioids, they're of opioid-addicted parents. It's in the house. Mm-hmm. Mm, you know, yeah. Junior sees dad taking a pill every every two to three hours and, oh, well, that's maybe something he wants to try. And then, unfortunately, maybe you know they get addicted as well that way. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about some of those interventional techniques that are available here? Yes. We have Dr. Burchell, who is a board-certified anesthesiologist that did a fellowship in interventional pain management. He offers different types of procedures to alleviate back pain depending on where the source of the pain is coming from. We also do infusions for pain. We offer physical therapy, bracing. A lot of patients can use TENS units for pain. Hmm. But Dr. Burchell offers a wide variety of interventions for multiple diagnoses for pain. Yeah. And I've seen a video with one of his patients talking about spinal cord stimulation too, which is also Mm -hmm. very effective. Yeah. We work closely with the representatives from the different companies and refer them if it's appropriate for a stimulator, which is, works really well for a lot of people. Yeah. And no matter what, they're going to have the opportunity to stay in contact with you so you help them along the way because I imagine chronic pain is just that. It's chronic. It's Mm going to always be there at some level, but it's the management of it that And a lot of people, once you get them on lower doses of opioids, they manage fine. I think a lot of it, like Norm said, it's the motivation to make them understand that you're not going to be pain-free you know, our goal is to reduce your pain to where you can have a good quality of life. Mm-hmm. But I think, again, because the way things used to be, people got into the mindset that more is going to make everything better, and that's not true. Yeah. And the medicine that we mostly use is Suboxone. Mm-hmm. And the, the great thing about Suboxone is, yeah, it, it would help them with their pain, but it also has such the way that it works in the body, it makes other opioids not work very well. They don't get that high or that feeling oh. that they're doing. So while they're getting some pain relief and the Suboxone itself is helping with the cravings part, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to sneak a little oxycodone on the side. Well, it doesn't do what it used to do. So they're less oh, likely to slip up and take that an extra off-label oxycodone or, or, or opioid because it's ineffectual. The molecule buprenorphine has been used for quite some time. The reason it it, it helps with addiction is because it it has such an affinity to the receptors in the gut Mm -hmm. that it takes up a lot of the receptors that opioids would use because it is in the opioid family. But it's – and that's why it works against addiction because it blocks 
these receptors, there, there's none more for the oxycodone. There's that extra Percocet. There's nowhere for it to go. Oh, so that's, that's why it helps. 2002, FDA approved buprenorphine, Suboxone, Subutex for the treatment of narcotic addiction. So 20 years mm-hmm. that's been, yeah. But it really took the opioid epidemic to really bring it to light mm-hmm. and make it easier, available to get, get our programs going. I mean, it's been around forever. But it's really being used much, much more frequently now because of the demand. And you have to really regulate it, too, because unfortunately, it's become the new street drug. People overtake their opioids. They get sick. They go buy a Suboxone. Oh. So we do regulate it very carefully with screening to make sure that they're taking it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had to get a, take a special, get a special license to prescribe it. Because it is, it is a controlled substance. And for addiction, we, we needed some extra credit hours to prescribe it properly. Yeah, so it's, it's very specific. It's very specific. So it's not something that anybody would walk in up, you know, oh, I've got some pain, I want some Suboxone. No. It's not used that way. It's not used that way. No. And I think it's interesting to know that it's part of the opioid family. I mean, people hear the term Suboxone, they don't really understand it, but understanding the receptor part of it. Because there have been other medications like that for smoking cessation, I guess, that mm-hmm. tend to block receptors. So that's kind of how it works, too. That's right. So patients who are coming and getting ongoing care from the clinic here, outside of here, you mentioned that you work with counselors. What are some of the things that patients are doing outside of here to help lead a healthier life? You mean what the counselors are doing? Counselors, yes. And, you know, some of those recommendations that they have to, a patient needs to incorporate into their life to kind of well, stay I on know the right that track. See them monthly. They set goals for them to reach. They offer them referrals to any resources that they may need to be successful in their treatment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a talk therapy basis. By, uh, I don't know if she's a psychologist or not, but she can also recommend psychiatrists for medical treatment of depression or anxiety or whatever some of the base roots of their addiction are. Yeah. A lot of addiction is them self-medicating for maybe an underlying psychiatric okay. problem as well. So it really does take a team effort because you've got a psychiatrist or psychologist mm-hmm. and and the medical personnel that have to help manage absolutely everything because it all and it's and it's really important when they actually admit that they have an addiction problem because it's been a long for them to get to that point they've been through a long period of denial usually Mm -hmm. and when they finally admit it and realize they have a problem and admit that they have a problem to healthcare providers or you know basically strangers Mm -hmm. they really need the help quickly. And a lot of them come to us too because they've literally hit rock bottom. Um, They might be facing legal issues or medical issues based on their abuse. So, you know, it's a first step in at least trying to get their life back together. Yeah. Now, is the treatment here that you provide, is that something that's covered by insurance companies? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part, it is, you know, just like for any patient here, you know, it has to be authorized by the insurance. But I think in this day and age, insurance companies are realizing the dangers that this this opioid 
what is it called? The epidemic. Yeah. Crisis. Yeah. Open, <laughs> it is a crisis. It has opened up a lot of people's eyes and the insurances have realized they got they have to cover these problems. And, and mm-hmm. they, they do for the most part. And if a patient comes and it's not doing well, we do work with them, to giving them multiple chances. We may change their monthly appointment back to weekly to kind of mm-hmm. stay on top of things better. And if they continue to not do well, then we usually recommend them to go into inpatient treatment. Okay. Yeah. And if someone goes into inpatient, is it would they be coming back here too? They or? do. And a lot of times the inpatient facilities will reach out to us to kind of take them as they leave inpatient and follow through okay. with us. So yeah. they've got a bridge immediately yes. to help yes. when they get out. So if someone's interested, you know, they feel like they've hit that point, do they just call and make an appointment? Do they need a referral? Yes, they can just call. I don't believe they need a referral to come for addiction. Yeah. And then if, you know, if they have questions about insurance, you have team members here that will help figure that out for them. It's not just a one and done treatment option. We have many options that we can use to help accommodate people's lifestyle as well. Mm -hmm. And we also treat people with alcohol dependency as well as opioids. Okay. So how... Do you treat the same way? Is it There's different medications that we use, but yes, we as far as the program itself, yes. Okay. Well, that's interesting to know. I think a lot of people separate the two. Like there are two different types of addictions. Yeah, it's just the stigma. But yeah. Well, and so if they want to get more information, they can call here to the office, visit the website carolinaspecialtycare.com. And about how long does it take to get in if they need help? I mean, it's no more than, I would say, a week. Yeah. there yeah. For those MAT that we call it, those patients, mm-hmm. we get them in as fast as possible because a lot of times, you know, the clock is ticking on when they're going to abuse again. Yeah. So, we want to get them into treatment as fast as possible. Yeah. Like if, if they're feeling that point mm-hmm. that they're seeking help, it's good to know that they can get it. Yep. Yes. And, and we can always make accommodations to fit people in yeah. as quick as we can. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, interesting. Well, thank you both so much for all this great information. Thank you for having us. Thank you for what you're doing for this community. Thank you.